This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. And welcome to the Doctor Who pod. I am Sai, and alongside me, as always, and very similar to last week, a little worse for wear, is our good friend, Mr. Dan Griffin. How hanging are you today? I am hanging out of my ass so badly you may as well call me a hemorrhoid. And I really, <laughs> I really, I really wish I'd saved that line for the recording so that was the first time you hear it because it got a much bigger laugh before uh, when I said it <laughs> off air. <laughs> so, yeah... Uh, Tried to complete the pickling of my brain last night at, uh, at North Wrestling. Uh, it's one of my favourite promotions. First time I've been back there since uh, well, since before COVID. So may have hit the bottle a wee bit hard. But what are you going to do when a wrestling show is in a brewery? Well, be rude not to, mate, wouldn't it? Be rude not to. Yeah, if, if I've not learned self-restraint by now, I'm never going <laughs> to. No, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. When you get to a certain age, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm 41 now. I, I drink too much. I act like a prat. If I've not learned by now, I ain't going to learn. This is just who I am, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you do silly things like uh, a friend of mine forgot to um, uh, forgot to reset a watch. You know, this, for, uh, this morning as we were going to leave Newcastle. Uh, you yeah. know, that's a bit of a silly thing to do. It comes with age. You know, a bit like you know, thinking you've thrown away notes and finding them again. Oh, mate, don't even start me on that. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll tell you what, I can add a little bit to that. Well, for those who are unaware. This episode of the Doctor Who Pod, we're looking at the Dalek invasion of Earth. Uh, a William Hartnell story from way back when, and it was supposed to be the classic Who episode last week. However, I lost my notes, so we decided to change it up a little bit. Did the new Who last week with the view of rewatching this, making my notes again, and having it ready for this week. Last night, I sent down a picture of my notebook that I just found, and it had been literally on my desk all along, just under a couple of picture frames. So it was there all along. <laughs> we didn't have to do delay. I didn't have to tr- make plans to rewatch it, anything like that. And then to top it off, I come upstairs to to set the laptop up and send the link over to Dan and get ready to start recording. And literally, just as I'm sending the link over, I realised I had lost my notes again. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to run downstairs. I was like, "Shit, where have I left them?" But they were back on my desk again downstairs. So yeah, I've got them. They're not very readable. I don't know what I was doing whilst I was watching it last time round, but I've got them. So. <laughs> 
you might have been in a, the same state I was last night while you were making those notes. <laughs> yeah, potentially. <laughs> I'm just waiting so, so for... Uh... What, what did you think of, of part one of this serial? Uh, well, according to my notes, I've put Umpuffnufkuf Rebebele. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, my writing's you know, a disgrace at the best of times. So this looks even worse. So I'm going to power through. But there we go. Yes. Um, that's right then. So today we are looking at the Dalek invasion of Earth. This is our uh, William Hartnell story for our first season, originally broadcast in November 1964. Not the first Dalek story, obviously. That one was in the very first series of Doctor Who. That This is one that's kind of quite iconic, I guess. There's quite a few clips and moments from this serial that gets replayed even today with the Daleks in certain locations and so on. Uh, Dan, what did you think of this? I really enjoyed it uh, from what I remember because uh, I had time to rewatch it and watch it yeah. about a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was one of the longer ones. Uh, I think this was a mm. six part, so it made it about two hours in total. But um, yeah, it flew by. It was it was really really interesting seeing um, uh, just seeing Hartnell do his thing. Uh, one of the first notes I made of sort of any sort of great consequence was that there was in the first, at least in the opening part of it, there was a lot more warmth from the Doctor than I was expecting. Okay. Because by reputa- from reputation, uh, we mentioned it in the Capaldi episode, I believe, the, the sort of reputation of Hartnell's Doctor, where he was, he was very sort of stuffy and old-fashioned and hmm. um, stern, I think is the word, you know, stern and a bit cold. But it was um, it was surprising that, that he wasn't like that all the time, especially at the start of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean... I think over time, Hartnell's Doctor softened, especially especially at like the very end of his run, where he had completely new companions to the first set of companions. I mean, what we see here in the, in this serial is effectively the first group of people to travel in the TARDIS. We've got William Hartnell's Doctor, and then we've got Susan, who is the Doctor's granddaughter, and we have Barbara, and we have Ian, two teachers from Susan's school. And this was like effectively the first group of people and we see one of these companions leave during this serial. It's the first companion to leave the show. Uh, Ian and Barbara leave a while after this as well. But the Doctor still carries on for... William Hartnell, sorry, still carries on as the Doctor for a while and has newer companions with him. I suppose that kind of warmth, you know, or, or not being as stern, potentially, because he's still a bit of a great old git, isn't he? Let's be honest. But <laughs> he's, having a slightly warmer side to him potentially makes it easier to get new companions involved. Otherwise, it'd be a case of, well, why would anyone want to go with that great show get? Yeah, he's kind of, he's realised that he likes travelling with people, he likes the company, and mm. he's had to uh, had to adjust his, uh, his sort of the, the way he approaches people, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with regards to the intro, then, we always have a look at the intros and so on. It's not massively dissimilar to the Patrick Triton tale we saw, I guess. But uh, what were your thoughts on the, this intro? The, I suppose the original intro, isn't it, to to Doctor Who yeah. as it started off? It's um, it's quite haunting, really. I mm. think uh, this version. It's uh, the I like the sort of. It looks almost like a lava lamp. Yeah. The effect they've got going on in the background. Um, except I think it might be sort of some image like mirrored on itself, you know, side by side, left left to right. Um, and the uh, sort of the writing appearing through the reverse of itself was really cool as well. It was um, mm. a bit more sort of uh, innovative and a bit more advanced than I'd maybe expect for, for 64. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I really like, I suppose it's going to be, I'm probably going to say it over and over throughout our sort of look back on this, this serial. But I really like how, it sounds contradictory, but I really like how dated this is. Normally yeah. when people say about things being dated and, and old fashioned, it's, it's not always a good thing, especially when it comes to television. But I really like how dated this is because it's not, it's not like it's old and looks crap. It's old and looks old. So they can get away with it looking a bit crap at times because of the age of it, I guess. Does that make sense? I think I know what you're driving at. You, you're taxing my, uh, my pickled brain cells a little bit with that. But, <laughs> No, I think I get where you're coming from. It's it's old. It looks of its time, but that doesn't make it mm. bad. And even yeah, it's it is, a nostalgia it, it, thing as well. It's yeah. And even when it is a little bit bad, you just think it it's, it adds to the charm. Yeah, there you go. Spot on. Yeah, it does. It adds to the charm. Everything about it. I mean, there are. I mean, as the, as the episodes go, I mean, like Dan said, there's six episodes to this. There are issues with it. There are times when people are talking and you can't see them properly because somebody stood in front of the camera. There are occasions where that there seems to be like timing issues where people are running to a certain location and they get surprised by a Dalek or something along those lines. And then rather than escape or even say anything, they literally just stand there waiting for the Dalek to, to, to effectively gun them down. And it seems a bit off from there. But again, it's, it is kind of the charm to it because it was very much just starting out. Doctor, Doctor Who was only a year old at this point. Mm. So, you know, it, it, it had a long way to go, I guess. Yeah, it did. Um, there's always going to be issues like that, you know, if, if they're trying out some new techniques or new new editing or new you know new technology even. There's going to be things that, that happen. But um, one of my first sort of major notes as well is uh, after the TARDIS has materialised, they... Um, uh, one of the windows appears to have fallen in, inwards on yeah. one side. And I think that's <laughs> sort of the first major set fault that we've had. I'll tell you what, that is spot on. I put it on again this afternoon, just to sort of refresh my memory as I was doing a bit around the house and so on. And my middle daughter came in from a football match, walked in, sat down, looked at the telly and went, how is it travelling through space if its windows are open? <laughs> she, she just happens to walk in at that moment. And I was like, oh, yeah, because it is odd, isn't it? Did you explain to her about the atmospheric shell around the TARDIS? I no, I just said it. It just does. <laughs> she wasn't really that interested. She, she honestly, if I've got Quantum Leap on or if I've got Doctor Who on or anything like that, literally everybody else in the house rolls their eyes and goes to a different roommate. She's not that bothered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you start explaining stuff like that, it might facilitate the process, and then you get to watch it in peace quick. Well, I suppose. I suppose. I mean, my wife does tolerate quite a bit of it. To be fair. But um, the older I go, so I suppose Hartnell era being the oldest, the older I go, the less tolerant she is, I think. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fair enough. It's not for everybody. No, exactly, exactly. Uh, the, the serial, the, the, the well, episode one starts with quite a dramatic, striking, uh, I suppose, scene, doesn't it? We've got mm. what we eventually learn uh, are referred to as uh, a robo-man, very Cyberman-esque, I guess, with the way they move and the, the metal fittings to their head. Just literally walking towards the river, a big sign-up behind him saying, no dumping bodies in the river, which is quite ominous as well. He starts pulling at the, the headgear that he, he has attached and effectively just walks into the water and drowns himself. And that's, you know, I mean, this is going to be 
tea time-ish, I guess, Saturday afternoon television, family all gathered around the telly in 1964, and there's some dude with a silver helmet on drowning himself first thing straight away. I mean, how, yeah. how did that sort of... To me, it sets the scene for, for the whole series, but what were your thoughts when you first saw that done? Well, my notes just say that got dark fast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it really did. Like you say, he's... It, it looked initially to me like a bit like a hazmat suit. You see the forbidden to dump body sign, and then you see this guy sort of really painfully walking mm. through, and he's tearing at the machinery, and, stuff like, and he just wades into the river to die. Yeah, you don't know if he's dead before he hits the water, or if he's just you know if he's just gone face down to to end it all. And it was just oh oh okay wow mm, yeah. Well then let's let's find out what the hell's going on here. <laughs> I, I I don't know, but. Drowning yourself would be a pretty horrific way to take your own life. Don't get me wrong, but is it even possible to do it like that? Just lie face down and die? Wouldn't your natural instincts kind of kick in and get you to lift your head out the water when you're struggling to breathe? Probably. And so on? Yeah, you it would. Um, you can drown in, in, I think, four inches of water. It's possible. Mm. Um, to, to be honest, I try not to talk about drowning too much because. <laughs> I had um, a friend of mine uh, ten years ago. He, he had an epileptic fit and uh, fell into uh, fell into a river and drowned. So it, oh, it kind of hits, okay. you, know, you, you weren't to know, mate. But um, yeah, so it kind of all hits home a little bit. But it obviously, yeah. it, in, at the time, ended up my sort of morbid brain. Uh, I ended up looking into a few a few little bits about drowning because mm. I'm, just, I'm just wired a little bit wrong. Uh, so yeah, it's possible <laughs> to. It's possible to drown in four inches of water, but your, your body's natural instinct is to fight for air and, and get up, you know, get up from it um, mm. and try and get out of it. Um, so, I, to be honest, I think he was, I think he was dead before he hit the water. Yeah, he must be, must have been. That would make sense. The way it sort of just glides in, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. Sorry, I, I turned that even darker than the. Uh, then the robo man yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my other thing with the robo man is when we do eventually uh, find out what they are is uh, what a 60s name robo man yeah robo yeah man. totally That's, yeah. It's, like uh, a, uh, like a, it's like a knockoff toy you you'd get a petrol station <laughs> yeah <laughs> or, or even, uh, what what is it as well they refer to as the um the casing that the Daleks are made of, Dalek Daleketanium or Dalekanium or something like Dalekanium. that. They refer to it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's like it's real original. Um, it's the it's the metal that the uh, or the the element that the Dalek casing is made of. So we yeah. call it Dalekanium. But then, to be fair, scientists and you know on the periodic table they did eventually resort to Europium and <laughs> Americium and all and all of this. Uh, yeah, so they were just running out of names like. It's on the fucking dialect. It's fucking Dalekanium. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. That'll do. <laughs> uh, the TARDIS then arrives in London just after this poor fella's had enough and done himself in. The Doctor comes out. Well, the, 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 you see the Doctor in the TARDIS. And then when he comes out the TARDIS as well, he seems to spend the majority of this first 20, 25 minutes just going, hmm, 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 hmm. Susan, hmm, ah, hmm. Doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I need to make that a sound clip. <laughs> it does. That's all he says. He keeps going, mm, yes, mm, oh, my boy, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> all the way through the first episode. I've never noticed that, to be honest, but you're you're, you're absolutely right. Um, they're just, it, it's just sort of dusting and making these annoyed little oomph noises yeah. at the start. <laughs> and the, like the, one of the, I think it was Barbara, suggests, uh, suggests a holiday. Um, and all that, and then 
the doctor just with the powers of deduction that he possesses <laughs> deduces that they buy a river and uh, <laughs> you know they're thinking it's earth like and um the doctor doesn't want to boast but there may be somewhere in london um, yeah. so it's just proof that the doctor's never really been able to uh, to pilot the tardis with too much accuracy well, i think the gist is that barbara and ian are wanting to go home aren't they and yeah. the doctors got them back towards London, but overshot by a few hundred years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit, because... Yeah. And the thing as well is, it's so very British. When they're, they're wondering about why it's so quiet and deserted, it's, oh, it must be a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If that, it, if that explains why there's not a cat, not... Not anything going on. They can't hear any voices. There's no sound of it. I know there weren't as many cars around back then, but there's there's not even a bus or anything like yeah. that. I mean, for younger listeners and people not in the UK, it used to be a case of Sunday afternoon, everything was everything was shut. There was no shops open. Even the pubs would shut in the afternoon, and then yeah, reopen had, for an hour or two in the evening. You had twelve you know? till two. Yep, and then reopen at I think was it five or six. Something like that, yeah, yeah. Literally, Sunday afternoon, everywhere closed. There was nothing. It was, it was like, what is it, 28 days later, when it's yeah. just <laughs> derelict at the beginning. There's no noise or anything. It, that's oh, what it was like. Sorry, buddy. I'm so proud of you. You made a movie reference. Yeah, I've seen that film. <laughs> Creep me out a little bit. I'm not going to lie, but I've seen that film. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good one. It's 28 days later. Yeah, 28 years later as well, they made, didn't they? Weeks. Weeks. Okay, yeah. I've seen that. I, I, I only know that because I've, the, the, I've got the double DVD just right up there. Ah, I see, I see. Yeah, no, I enjoyed those films. They were quite good. A bit creepy, like, but they were quite good. Yeah, well, you know me, I, I like a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah, Robert Carlyle's in it, is that right? Yeah. I can I can picture him running across a field and getting chased by dead people. Is that right? Is that the no, right they're thing? Not, they're, not, they're not dead. Are they not? They're infected with rage. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah but, but you know, they're zombies, kind of, aren't they? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Angry zombies. Yeah. Angry zombies. I mean, I'd be angry if I was a zombie, to be fair. But anyway. <laughs> I, think, I think I am one of them. <laughs> Basic functions are happening, but nothing much behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Barbara, uh, Ian, uh, well, the Doctor and Susan as well, all, all exit the TARDIS and they're looking around. Uh, Susan decides she's going to climb up this... I, I guess it's like a, a bit of wrecked old bridge. They sort of effectively landed underneath, haven't they? Mm. And I mean, she must weigh, I don't know, 30 tons or something because she pulls down all this scaffolding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, she, she weighs about, she must weigh about seven stone wet through with rocks in her pockets. Yeah. And she somehow managed to tear down all this, uh, all this rubble and she's knacking her ankle and part of the bridge has collapsed, burying the TARDIS. Although there's yeah. a really, there's a conveniently placed trellis. <laughs> like a bit of like metal trellising that you can see. It yeah. Ian then goes on to action man mode and says he's going to move it out the way or use a cutting tool and so on. But, you know, he's a bit he's a bit too macho for his own suit there, I think, isn't he? Yeah, it's when he starts saying he needs an acetylene torch or at the very least a crowbar. Yeah. He, just, he spots the warehouse. <laughs> and he, he spots the warehouse around the corner and the doctor's just so quietly amused by his optimism. Mm, 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 silly boy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, maybe. Barbara, well, Susan in the fall has, has hurt her ankle. And I mean, again, I, I love Doctor Who. Any negative things I say about it comes still from a place of love. But my goodness, was this terribly acted. <laughs> it, it wasn't the best, was it? 
Oh my word! She's got a, a, an awful limp to sell the fact that she's hurt this it hurt her ankle. At one stage, they're saying they're going to go into this warehouse. Susan, can you make it? Can you walk? So she's like, "Let me try." So she goes and puts her bad ankle on the floor, screams, and falls over again. It's just, it's just ridiculous stuff. It comes across, to be honest, it comes across like when I would go to school and, and like my kids' school and see a play, or all the kids when they were really little would say, "Daddy, we've done a play for you," and I have to sit and watch them do this play. It comes across like that kind of acting that kind of i suppose for want of a better term production i guess you know <laughs> yeah it was um it, well back to wrestling again it wasn't great selling was it no no it wasn't yeah it was, doctor it was, was cross though wasn't he oh yeah but it's just such a it's just such a trope of that time you know the 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 whole oh, you know the woman's gone and got herself hurt what a surprise it's like for fuck's sake i know it's the 60s, that runs through but, doesn't it yeah that runs through a little bit doesn't it like ian and the doctor have a few occasions where they I suppose, look at Barbara and Susan or Barbara and Susan are doing something and they kind of look at each other and roll their eyes like, oh, silly women folk. You know, that's kind of, they do that a few times throughout this whole story, don't they? Yeah, and it's it's complete bollocks really because particularly Barbara ends up being really bloody good. You know, yeah. She, like she goes into like full action one word. So I, uh, I don't know what the... I don't know what the problem was really, but obviously the doctor, the doctor's got that arrogant streak that runs through him, and uh, I guess Ian's got a bit of it as well. I think they know better. Well, this is it, and and Susan falling, hurting her ankle, and burying the TARDIS apparently means that she should get told off severely. And the doctor says, "What you need is a jolly good smacked bottom." Apparently, <laughs> not, not, no, no, thank you. Uh, no, thank you, Doctor. No, for, for, yeah. for, 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 for a woman, for a woman who I know she, I know she's meant to be at school, but she looks, she looks like she's in her mid to mid to mid to late twenties at this yeah. point. It's like, though, that's just weird and a bit creepy. I think she's is she supposed to be seventeen here, sixteen, seventeen? I don't know, but either that's still too old. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. It's not all right at all. But, <laughs> but you know, instead of that, they they decide they treat her bad ankle medically. So Barbara, bless her, is going to go dip her hanky in the river. So she's got a, a dirty, wet, smelly hanky to put on her ankle, and that'll make it better. Yeah. Apparently, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust anything that's been dipped in the Thames at the best of times. Never mind when there's no. dead robo men in it. Yeah, exactly. Corpse water on your on your swollen ankle. Oh, you never want to hear that phrase, you corpse water. Yeah. That sounds like some sort of really bad death metal band, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> We're back on the death metal bands again. Yeah. <laughs> we are corpse water. <laughs> Thank you, oh, Lord. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, 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 the men, I guess, leave the silly women of Hulk behind and off they go to check out this warehouse. There's a, a there's a body floating in the river that the that Barbara and Susan notice as well that freaks them out a little bit, but they're being watched as well, aren't they? Yeah. Both both groups of the travellers who are separated now that they're sort of being spied upon by what we find out eventually is some form of resistance group to the invasion, aren't they? They are, yeah. They're like the uh, the sort of the dwindling rebel forces against the uh, that we'll come to find out against the, the Dalek invasion. But one thing at this point that struck me was. It's only now that they've realised they're not in their own time, and it took a body floating in the river and the huge mm. signs about not dumping bodies in the river. <laughs> yeah, to do it. It's, come on, guys, look around. Yeah, not a bit. 
not to, well, you said they were looking for a holiday or potentially trying to get home. Perhaps they were already switched off. They were just already so relaxed. <laughs> mm. They were like, yeah, we, okay, we're a couple of hundred years out, but okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's about, it's about, well, it's about 200 years out, isn't it? Because the doctor finds a calendar and it's, it's 2164. It's not far, not too far away, really, in, in this big scheme of things, is it, I suppose? Well, from this point, years? yeah, from now, 142 years, but back then it was 200 years on, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They yeah. find the doctor and Ian find a body in a box in the warehouse as well. So they're looking for this magical cutting tool or crowbar, either or. Ian's happy with either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we see a flying saucer. Now, I was oh. very disappointed with this on BritBox when we watched it back on BritBox because it, it, I think it's been edited because you can't see the strings. On the video version, the old VHS tapes that my mate had in the 80s, you could see the strings because it was noticeable even as a child on this flying saucer drifting past, you know? I'm sure I could see the strings. Yeah. But maybe it's just, maybe my mind's just filling in the blanks because I know that they're there. <laughs> yeah, I get you. <laughs> it, was, it was glorious. It was yes. exactly what I wanted from this. Goes to your point, this is exactly what I wanted from a show of this age. This is what I wanted the uh, the ship effect to be. A bit of tin on a string with a photo <laughs> backdrop of London behind it. And you know it's an alien craft because it's making alien craft noise as it's it flies. Making <laughs> noises. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going to start referring to dodgy like 60s um, special effects as just wee-woo beep-boop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we got one of those sort of little timing issues here as well because obviously, you know, it is the footage of the, the flying saucer, so to speak, has to be cut in to what the Doctor and Ian are looking at. They're stood next to each other, and the Doctor puts his hand on Ian's shoulder, arm, and they both look up. And then there's a pause whilst we're looking at Ian and the Doctor looking up that seems like a second or two too long. It seems a bit weird. Then it cuts to a screen with basically nothing in it, and the saucer drifts across the screen and disappears. And we cut back to Ian and the Doctor again, and they're both in the same pose, staring up at the sky again. It's not it's not great, is it? But again, it's sign of the times. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, I think totally. that's maybe down to maybe down to a bit of dodgy editing, and uh, maybe they just needed an extra couple of seconds for the runtime. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't think they did. That's that's my one real complaint. I mean, we'll get to it when we finish, sort of looking back, I guess. But it's my one real complaint about this: is there are times where there are times where it did drag. I think. Mm. Yeah, you got six episodes here. I think you could have done this story in four, and I still enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong, but I think you could have done this this story in four episodes and cut away a lot of the stuff there where people are just kind of milling about. I guess. When you said milling about, the word that popped into my mind was meandering. It just yeah, it does just toddle along a little bit, doesn't it? At yeah. times, but it's, it's still you know there was enough in this first episode to build the intrigue despite the uh, despite, despite the issues we have with it because there's uh, the uh, Barbara and Susan then get uh, get found by more of the uh, uh, by more of the resistance with, with a hidden entrance and bits and pieces like that which was pretty cool yeah the, the hidden entrance it's a poster isn't it of an elephant and when they touch the tusk of the elephant this pipe moves back and forwards but the poster of the elephant has the word vetoed written across it. What? Why? What's that? I don't understand. Why are they vetoing elephants? What have elephants done? It was probably a circus or something coming to town, and it got vetoed. 
Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So like, like, like the, uh, we're, prepared, we're bringing the circus to town now. It's been vetoed by the council. Yeah, that's right. Because then you also got the big poster up saying, don't, don't bother. That actually does make a lot of sense, that. I was just remember looking at it. I didn't, I didn't twig on with that. I was just looking at this poster thinking, what the bloody elephant's done to deserve that? <laughs> I mean, I just made that up off the top of my head. I don't even remember but seeing But it makes the perfect sense. I'm, I'm really good at rationalising bullshit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just thinking, oh, the Daleks got something about African wildlife, have they? What, what's that about? I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it just seemed really strange. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. dear. They're asked as well, aren't they, Barbara and Susan, by the members of this resistance group. It's no nonsense. It's literally a case of how can you help us? What can, yeah. you know? We're, we're we're low on people. We're low on food. We're, we're trying to fight back. We're tired. We're hungry, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What can you do? And the first thing they do is because they notice, obviously, that Barbara and Susan are, are ladies. They turn straight to Barbara and say, "Without even saying hello, can you cook?" And she says, yeah. "Well, yeah, I can get by." And they turn to Susan and say, what can you do? And she says, I eat. <laughs> yeah. I love that answer. No, that was Susan, brilliant. Susan was not having any of that shit. Yeah. Oh, man, it's so good. That line was just brilliant. We cut back then to, I suppose, the first cliffhanger of the series in a, at the end of episode one, because we go back to seeing the Doctor and Ian, and they're cornered with some robo-men, which look like, to be honest... Uh, very incredibly slow reacting bad guys here. I'm fairly certain the Doctor and Ian could, could have gone away. You know, they don't react very, very quickly to anything, do they, these robo-men? Yeah, but it, it took the Doctor and Ian and Barbara and Susan three hours to realise they weren't in 1964. Yeah, I suppose. So <laughs> I don't think anybody's too too quick <laughs> on the uptake here. Um, no. But yeah, the robo-men, they're very... I suppose they've got to make them a bit like robotic and, and in the sixties, you know, that meant slow. It meant mm. plodding. It meant just sort of slow, but strong. Yes. So it's, it kind of, it, it gets a, a bit of a pass in that regard, but they're not exactly threatening or scary. No, not especially when you see how often, how often throughout this story, they're overpowered by mm-hmm. Ian, um, or, or, you know, you know, captain action, uh, Ian, and various members of the resistance as well. You see how easy they are overpowered. They're not exactly the most scary, threatening villains it's, they've ever faced, I don't think. It, it's, it's not Toberman taking out the Cybermen with his bare hands. No, no. <laughs> it's, it's, but we've actually we've, we've missed out a little bit because we've been introduced to um, sort of the brains behind the resistance, uh, Dortmund. Oh, yeah, in the wheelchair. Yeah, which really annoyed me. His, his name annoyed me because I just keep, kept wanting to call him Dortmund. Okay, yeah, yeah, I get that. Because of the football team. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's even spelled D O R T M U N. Just add the D on the end of it. Yeah, it's like they've just for, just run out of ink or something. He, he, just, <laughs> he, just, he just needed a little extra D. A little extra D, well, doesn't everyone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we shouldn't record on a Sunday at this time again because it just gets silly because, you know, you're hungover, I'm hungover, and it just gets daft. <laughs> Well, fuck it, we're having fun. <laughs> yeah, but it's a serious subject matter, mate. They're in peril here with their robotic, you know, opponents and the dark taking over <laughs> Earth, and we're talking about an extra bit of D. <laughs> we can go. 
we can go back to the doctor and Ian's troubles with the wee woo beep boop if you like. <laughs> yeah, fair point. Because <laughs> oh. that is when I say wee woo beep boop, that is exactly what I mean. That kind of dodgy half robot looking thing where it's like it's neither here nor there and just not scared, not very threatening or scary. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Even in the sixties, I don't think the robo men had been sort of very scary. But then that's not their job. They're the henchmen. The mm. the real, obviously, the real villains are still lurking. Yeah, and the they background. are kind of. I suppose they are kind of just jobs for us, aren't they? I guess they just kind of lumber around, patrolling is what they're told to do. And this, when when members of the resistance or or any other humans are caught, they kind of just almost soldier-like, I guess, escort them to places. They don't actually do much killing of their own or fighting of their own, I guess. The drones. Yeah. yeah they'd, be off, they'd, be, they'd be better off with sentient forklifts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this leads to the first of the really iconic clips that keeps getting replayed and on other stuff. And I bloody loved this. This was fantastic. The, the Doctor and Ian decide we're just going to jump in the water to get away from th- this, this collection of Robomen that apparently have them cornered, but there's like three or four other ways they can run away, but we'll, we'll just ignore that. They apparently have them cornered. <laughs> so the Doctor and Ian turn to run into the water and a Dalek is coming out the Thames and you just see the top of its head, helmet, whatever. The dome. The dome, yeah. Just peeking through the surface of the water and then it rises a little bit more, a little bit more, cuts to Ian and the Doctor looking shocked, cuts back, the Daleks are actually all out of the water. Oh, it's just so symbolic and, and it just, it's, it's such an iconic image, isn't it? It is very cool and it's a great cliffhanger to end the episode on because you have this great moment where the Doctor and Ian are there saying, right, we're going to have to take our chances in the river. And they turn around and it's there just rising out of the drink. Yeah. Just, we've, talked, we've had a lot, we've had a laugh at like, you know, Rubbish! The Robo Men look and the the, the flying saucer and, and the Tardis um, window going in a bit, but this was spot on. Like you imagine, in in sixty four, you you've seen the Daleks already in Doctor Who, so you're aware of what they are, of who they are. But they're on an alien planet in in the first story. They're in, they're on Scaro still, mm. so you see these Robo Men. There's talk about the what's going on with the the revolution and so on, but you don't actually know yet mm. that Daleks are going to be appearing on your TV screen. There's no there's no adverts and spoilers saying this. It, it, it's literally what it is in '64, and then that comes out the water at the end of the first episode. Oh, could you imagine being a kid and seeing that? Yeah. Oh, I'd be bouncing around the living room. I'd absolutely love it. I, I, I knew obviously knew we were going to get Daleks in this, but. For that reveal, yeah, it, they got that absolutely right. It was gold. It, it was so good. And here, I think the the almost datedness of the show, the black and whiteness, the sort of aging of the show helps because the water, it's dirty water. I mean, for a start, it's the Thames. It's not the cleanest and the best of times, is it? Let's be fair. No. But this is the Thames with like a load of dead robo-men and stuff in it. And then... <laughs> So the water's a dark colour, but the black and white TV makes the water look almost black. Mm. And then this Dalek comes up underneath it and the Dalek's a lighter colour. It's Everything about it just works so well. Yeah, it's a really nice contrast uh, between the, the sort of the black and the grey and mm. the very the varying different shades. It, yeah, I can't really fault anything about it. Yeah, it's so good. And that's the end of the, the first episode. So the second episode obviously starts very much in the same scene. The Dalek is... Um, 
declaring that they are the rulers of the universe and they've invaded Earth and they've taken Earth and so on, the Doctor turns to Ian and says, hmm, I think we should pit our wits against them and defeat them. And it's like, okay, yeah, that, that's a good shout, Doctor. You know, there was, <laughs> thank the, you, the, Captain the, Obvious. Yeah. <laughs> but there was a bit before this where I thought it was really, really good from Hartnell because the Doctor says that the Dalek better let them go and then he goes, don't release prisoners, we are the masters of the Earth. And Hartnell just stands there and just goes, not for long. Yeah. And so it, was long. Really, it was just really wonderfully assured. Yeah, just a little just, throw. Yeah. Just, yeah. So confident in himself, I guess. Yeah, just not for long. Yeah. I shall I shall fuck a few up. <laughs> <laughs> and this is this this cracked me up as well. It was like a teacher at school when you're whispering stuff and so on. As as the doctor's turning to me and saying, I think we should pit our wits against them, and then we shall defeat them. The do- the Dalek turns around and goes, I can hear you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know what you're plotting. <laughs> yeah, but then he goes on and like starts trying to goad them as well. Mm. Because the Dalek's saying about conquering the Earth and resistance is useless, and then the Doctor's taking the piss, saying the conquest isn't complete till all living matter is destroyed. It's like, don't give them ideas. Yeah, don't point them in that direction, but crying out loud. Yeah, oh, we dear. Don't. The, the survivors of the invasion, I guess, the, the, the rest of the uh, resistance, I suppose, I couldn't think of the word then, what a proper little brain fart I had then. The resistance, <laughs> we see them discussing plans about taking the the Daleks on and they are building these these bombs and they're talking about this bomb as though it's you know gonna destroy all the Daleks it's their their big top secret weapon it couldn't look any more unflattering or unsuitable for the purpose if it had Acme written on the side and was being presented by Wally Coyote <laughs> it looked like somebody painted an apple silver yeah it did with just a, with an old fashioned um, fuse sticking out the top of it yeah it was it was cartoonish. It was really, a bit, mate. But it was. A I bit. mean, to, to a degree, to a degree, it kind of has to look like it's been cobbled together in a shed because it's been cobbled together. Yeah, in the underground resistance. So yeah, but it, it, it wasn't great. But then Dortmund did come out with a, a great line. There's a, there's a Dalek broadcast going on about survivors surrendering and all that and obeying orders, and he just looks at it. He's listening to it. He says, "Obey motorized dustbins. We'll see." Yeah. <laughs> Oh, burn. (laughs) (laughs) David is one of the resistance members, I guess, who is quite pally with Barbara and Susan. And he explains that prisoners, when they're caught, normally get taken onto a saucer, a flying saucer, and get turned into the Robomen to serve the Daleks. He says there aren't actually many Daleks here on Earth. They're relying very much on a handful of Daleks, almost like, a, I suppose, a pre-invasion group, maybe, and then the Robomen to sort of bolster their numbers, I guess, Dan? Yeah, it's more, the, the Daleks have come down, they've, they've converted the Robomen, so they only need to leave a sort of a small controlling force. Because mm. the, the, when they've got the Robomen, they're, you know, they've got enough under control. They're, the, you know, keeping the workers working, as we'll see later, and, and all the rest of it. You don't need that many Daleks there really no no makes sense the the rebels are planning an attack on the saucer to, to basically try and get rid of the remaining daleks and so on aren't they with these bombs that they're building in the shed as you said Dan. <laughs> and um obviously the doctor ian and 
some really annoying git that they've got alongside them who's been captured as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they've all been caught and are being taken to the saucer to be robotized, apparently. Uh, that guy who was with them, his name escapes me, but that guy was bloody irritating, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm just looking through my notes trying to find out what his name is. Because I know the, the helipad that they're on, <laughs> there's, a, there's a Dalek saucer helipad in Chelsea, of all places. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What was his name? I can't remember. I don't think I've got it written down here, to be honest. No, but, I don't um, either. Maybe, maybe we didn't actually find out. I don't know, because I've not got yeah. a note of his name. So. But it's, it's it's sort of around this point where there's more prisoners being ushered in, and Ian's pointing out the discs on the back and uh, the increased mobility from the Daleks and trying yeah. to find them, you know, trying to find weak points and, and all of this. Um, but then uh, one of the uh, one of the prisoners tries to tries to run, blocked off by the Daleks, and gets we see an extermination. Mm-hmm. As he as he cries for help, and it was a really cool effect with the negatives, but yeah. the, uh, the 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 static noise was a little bit ropey. But obviously, they were doing the best. With yeah, the, yeah, totally, totally. I mean, uh, I'm all let down with with the guy trying to escape because he says he's got a plan. They're not going to take him, and his plan just seems to be to jump off the little ramp they were on. Yeah, because he did because because he's on, they're on like a little almost like a obviously the Daleks are you know that they haven't got legs. They're they're, they're Daleks. They need these kind of almost like the it's almost like the ramp that you get when um, a disabled person or a pushchair gets on the bus and they fold the ramp out from underneath the the, the flooring mm. on the stagecoach buses. It's kind of like that. So they're walking these prisoners up this ramp, and this guy's like, "I've got a plan," and all he does is literally just jump off the ramp. He's travelled about three yards, and that was his plan. And it's, it, he deserved to get exterminated because he's a dumbass. Yeah, he, he Leroy Jenkins didn't fuck too. Yeah, <laughs> you just oh, what a moron! But at this point as well, I realised that the uh, the Daleks in this sound more like K nine in uh, New Who. <laughs> okay, yeah, their voices are quite brother. high, aren't they? Yeah, it was it was just a really odd sort of realisation after that. I couldn't, I struggled to take them seriously because I was I was listening to it, hearing K nine, and just having a chuckle. Yeah, <laughs> oh, and we're, we're bound to get to K nine at some point, probably in season two, because we've done a Tom Baker story now already, but. What are your thoughts on K9, Dan? I don't know if we've covered it already on the show. Um, I don't think we have. I think K9 is fun. It's I mean, it's a talking robot dog that's got all these weird, you know, sciencey attachments. You can't not yeah. enjoy it, but I don't need it as a regular sort of a, as a regular feature. It was yeah. cool when they brought it back um, when Sarah Jane came back uh, with Tenant, but yeah, finding small doses for me, K9. Yeah, it's. Um, but obviously, you know, if they're bringing back K9, they're going in a more kid-friendly approach. I'm not the target audience for that. No, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, everyone who I speak to who grew up watching Doctor Who in that era, so they were they were the, the, the target audience in the 70s, I guess, won't have a bad thing said about K9. Th- those who I've interacted with, anyway. But whenever I see him on screen, I just think, oh, it's a bit crap, isn't it? I'm going to probably get loads of hate on Twitter now, which is fine. <laughs> by, all, by all means, tweet me as much hatred as you like at Dan Griffin 21, okay? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I just don't, I just think he's a bit, it's just a bit toss, isn't it? It's a bit gimmicky. Mm. Um, but I st- like I said, I don't have that much nostalgia for it, and it's only ever been featured once in one episode, I think, of New Who. Right. So. I don't mind. I don't mind K9, but I wouldn't I wouldn't need to see it every week if they tried to bring it back. That's fair enough. Fair enough. I nearly saw K9 once. 
Again, I don't know if I mentioned it on the show before, but my dad, when I was very, very little, took me to a comic book store in Cheltenham. We live in Gloucester, and Cheltenham's about nine miles-ish away. It's the next mm. ci- next town city over. Like. And um, I didn't know where we were going. It was a surprise for me. It was a surprise for me, but my little sister came along too, so she must have been bored as hell. But we went to this little, <laughs> <laughs> went to this little comic book store, and I'm thinking, what the bloody hell are we doing here? It was unusual for my dad to have a Saturday off work anyway, so it was really strange. And it was a tiny little store. And... Um, a Cyberman came out. Oh. Just, you know, like the proper, like, 1980s, you know, looking style Cyberman came yeah. out and was just walking around the shop and, you know, threatening people and shoppers and so on. Now, I had nightmares about the Cyberman when I was a kid. So I was this, <laughs> oh, mate, this, I was screaming the place down. I was terrified. <laughs> and my dad, my dad thought it would be really nice, but here's, here's his son, literally in tears, petrified of this Cyberman. And then a Dalek came out. And this was brilliant because the Cyberman then acted scared of the Dalek and was talking to the Dalek about the nice T-shirts for sale and stuff like this. So that, <laughs> calmed, that calmed me down a bit. And I found out afterwards, maybe not on the day, maybe at a later date, that apparently they had K9 there as well, but his batteries were flat and they couldn't get him to charge, so they just left him in the cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's so typically English. Yeah, like, well, I've got K nine coming down. Batteries won't charge. We'll just leave them in the cupboard. It's like fucking. It's like comic. <laughs> it's like comic book. It's comic book star Phoenix Knight. Yeah, oh. <laughs> you can't have kids bouncing up and down on a love length. <laughs> yeah, but it, it tripped me out, man, because it was like I was really, really little when this happened, and then as I got older, I, I used to jump on the bus, go across the Charlton myself, and go into this little comic book store to buy patches for my jacket i got you know a denim jacket yeah. with all the, the band patches on the back and so on and they used to sell patches in this 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 store in Cheltenham. so i used to jump on the bus go across there buy a cd and buy patches for my jacket and i was walking in there and i kept getting this really sort of dej- weird deja vu feeling of like i've seen a cyberman in here yeah. but i couldn't remember when exactly because i was so little and it's not like we discussed it a lot you know and it was like, it was so weird. I was like, I, I thought I was just going mental. And then one day I mentioned it to my parents and my dad was like, yeah, I, I took you there when you were about seven, you know, and, and <laughs> you did, you did, act, you, you're not going mental. You did actually see a Cyberman in that store. So <laughs> Scream the place down because your dad didn't think that you were scared of him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm getting back to Love the Dalek invasion of Earth. We've got Ian and the Doctor, and other uh, other Resistance members, I guess, being held on the saucer. And then the Rebels attack with their little bombs and so on, trying to cause as much destruction as they can, I suppose. And, and that's kind of it for episode two, Dan, wasn't it? We didn't really get much else from that episode other than no. a little bit of chatting and, you know, the Doctor deciding we're going to pit our wits against them, so we are. The only other thing of note really had died in this one was that the uh, the Daleks have already clocked the Doctor and said, you know, his words betray greater intelligence than found in normal human beings. And I followed that up with, well, no shit, Tinkan, he's going to be your biggest nemesis. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's and, funny uh, you mentioned that about uh, biggest nemesis because this is literally everywhere has to, everything has to start somewhere, of course. But mm. this is literally, this is it. This is the beginning because the first story with the Daleks could have been a one and done. That could have been it. Mm but they brought them back again. So to me, this is kind of where it, it begins, this long-term 60-year battle, relationship, war between the Doctor and the Daleks over and over and over again, I guess. Mm. Yeah, it was Yeah, it was very interesting from a sort of a historical and 
the history of the the world sort of Doctor Who world point of view. Mm. The um, the only other thing we, oh, I knew there was something else in this episode. We got a bit we got a bit of the sciencey stuff. Okay. The doctor, the doctor talking. It was when they're in the cell. The guy, the guy's name was Jack. Right. It was in the cell with him. There's some sort of key in a crystal box. So the doctor proposed to use the light and magnifying glass to refract light to the to unlock it. Jack basically calls bullshit, saying they'd never leave it lying around. The doctor the doctor says if they if they have to deal with people of Jack's capacity, the Daleks needn't fear anything. <laughs> and he's, the doctor's looking at this lock and says it just reels off some some sciencey sounding stuff. Says so X equals gamma. That means roughly two point five percent to give a curve of eighty degrees. By the way, did you take three dimensional graph geometry in school? <laughs> he uses all the science stuff to unlock it, and it was basically a logic puzzle puzzle to uh, to ascertain the doctor's uh, capabilities, and that's to, with a view to him uh, being sort of experimented on, on mm. you know, converted. Because they find at the end of the episode, they uh, they find the doctor on the slab. Yeah, yeah, he's he's going to be well robotized. I suppose the other prisoners were being prepared for, but the doctor, like you said, experiments and and so on potentially as well, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, going to be super robotized. Super, but, uh, you, know, you know, a cape. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I won't put it past it either because they put like they just put like the big conehead thing on the uh, the Cyberman later on. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, yeah, like like as, as we were saying before, before I sort of tailed off there. The from a historical point of view, this is uh, this is really interesting of sort of where it all began. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I suppose as well. Again, it's of its time, so we see the Daleks, and they're they're not on the the smooth gliding surfaces they were when we initially encountered them with the first series. They are on rough terrain. They're on gravel. They're, they're in, you know, broken up roads and building sites and so on. They look a bit, a bit on the wobbly side, don't they? Let's be honest. It feels like there's somebody on a tricycle mm. inside, inside the casing. Yeah. There's just, like, <laughs> That's like just pedaling furiously, trying to get it to go because, and I'm sure you can see the wheels at some point as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we get with the with the rebels rescuing the prisoners. Um, they were disguised as Robomen. This was Barbara's idea, wasn't it? This is really really clever. Yeah, Putting yeah Barbara's head, coming head on. Yeah, yeah, fair play to her. And they attack and, and rescue the prisoners and so on. And they pull over a Dalek. That they actually knock one off to its side, and it just looks pathetic. Like this this killing machine in that instant to me lost all of its kind of i i suppose peril it was kind of the, the fear factor i guess because it looks so easy to just knock over yeah it wasn't great i mean i funnily enough i had the same problem with a later with a, an episode of the tenant was involved in where it was the final episode that um that catherine tate was in i can't remember the name but it was in there it was when um, Catherine Tate, Tate, Donna had taken over the Daleks and she was controlling them and all that and everybody's you know grabbing weapons and oh we're going to save everything and put the earth back where it needs to be and at one point at one point Captain Jack has grabbed a gun and he just puts his foot on a Dalek and just boots it out of the way and, right. just, and, he, and he yells get out of the way as he kicks it it's like, we've seen those things melt bullets yeah, and you just put your foot on it yeah, exactly. What? What? It shouldn't. And then you see it back here as well. It's just, it really makes them look crap. It removes so much of the threat. It, speaking, you say they're like Barbara coming good and so on. She's loving this, isn't she? Attacking the Daleks at this. She is having a whale of a time kicking and punching and battering these things. Yeah. She's well up. She's well up for a scrap, is Barbara. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pissed off that she just got put to put to cooking and handing out apples <laughs> to people. <laughs> That's it. Like, no. even like she is cooking, they literally just gave her a tray of apples. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like people you see. Uh, like I can never tell if it's satire or not. When uh, seeing like oh, I saw a post. It went viral a while back. It was a bowl of cereal. I said, I love it when my man cooks me breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> it's put a bit of cereal and a splash of milk into a bowl, love. Yeah. <laughs> it's hardly <laughs> English. Oh, dear. Something I noticed as well here with regards to all this. I mean, Ian gets stuck on the ship as they're making this escape plan. But um, the Daleks here, they're obviously in the, in the midst of, I suppose, a, a bit of a a bit of a fight scene outside the ship with the robo men and the rebels and everyone sort of scrapping away. They're not saying exterminate, are they? No, no, we, I don't think we've heard them say exterminate once yet. No, it's really strange. I mean, when they, um, when, when the guy stepped off the, the ramp with his grand plan of escape and just sort of like, you know, jumped a couple of foot, <laughs> they, the, the, the main Dalek, I suppose the, 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 the senior Dalek at that moment, declared that for his, his, his fellow Daleks kill him and that was that was it they just shot him there was no mention of exterminate or anything even then was there no and the Daleks are a lot wordier than uh, than I expected him to be at this point mm. as well um, even if they do sound like canine but uh, <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's a funny one I don't know exactly when exterminate became a thing no I don't I don't know if we hear it later on I mean, hopefully, if we do, I've made a note about it. I don't know if we hear it later on in this story. I'm not I sure. Think, I think we, I think we might actually, because I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll have it in my notes if we, if we. Yeah. Do. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, I suppose moving on, then we get the sorcerer is heading to the mines. Uh, Ian is on the sorcerer still, as we mentioned. The bombs didn't really do what they wanted them to do, and lots of people have been killed by the Daleks here. Mm. Uh, and it's kind of decided that the rebels are all going to try and flee London, effectively. Susan is is talking to David here. It's obviously that she's she's formed a, a bond with with the character David. They're very fond of each other, and she's trying to convince David to just join the TARDIS. She'll speak to her grandfather, come on the TARDIS with them, and just go travelling with them. He's not too keen on the idea because he doesn't want to be, as he sees it, running away from problems and so on. I mean, yeah. I can understand that's very moral of him, but on the other side of the coin, everyone else is running away from London because they're thinking London's been taken by the Daleks. If you're running away from a problem that's effectively a robotic killing machine, I think it's okay. Yeah, yeah. On, on the list of things that it's okay to run away from, mm. um, you know, Daleks are daleks are, are pretty high up there it's not like he's you know it's not like he's, he's skipping out on, on on the wife and kids just because times have got a little bit tough yeah. or relationship, you know relationships got a little <laughs> bit rocky um you're, you're probably going to get murdered at best you're going to get converted into a robo man lose your sanity and drown in yourself yeah in black pretty, corpse water yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was that the was that the re, was that the reforming of the band Black Corpse Water? Yeah, that, that's that's, their, <laughs> that's the title of their greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's a very quick, um, sort of very quick enamoring, isn't it for uh, mm. for Su- for Susan and David? Yeah. Um, but did you notice that she was on the when they were on the run from a Dalek? Her ankle was suddenly not too bad. That'll be that where hanky mate works miracles. That healing corpse water. 
That's it. That's <laughs> Healing the, corpse uh, water. <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, that's when they went into into Christian rock for a little while. Yeah, their, their reunion <laughs> tour with the softer side of things. Yeah. <laughs> leader leader got off drugs and found uh, lead singer got, got off drugs and found Jesus. That's it. <laughs> we, we then get, I suppose, our next kind of really iconic images and so on because we're, the, we're talking about the Daleks taking London, but here we have the Daleks running through London, don't we? They're, they're on, they're on the bridge. We see them in front of big Ben going through Trafalgar, Trafalgar square. And, Oh, it's just absolutely fantastic. And I remember speaking to, it may even have been my dad because my dad was watching Doctor Who. He'd have been 12, 13 around this time. I think it was my dad. I mean, if I, if I'm wrong there, I apologize, but I remember speaking to somebody older than me who watched this at the time. And I remember them telling me that the Daleks seemed scarier because they were in front of things that were real. It wasn't an alien planet anymore. They were going through London. Stuff that, you know, Big Ben used, used to see it every night on the six o'clock news or whatever. And there's a Dalek in front of Big Ben. And that made it kind of more more sinister in a way. Well, it hits home, doesn't it? It becomes it becomes relatable and that makes it scary. If it's just some far-flung planet in the middle of nowhere, you know, wherever... You, you, mm. you just—it's just not going to be as effective. I know I'd like—I'd find things much more effective if you had like, you know, if you if you had a Cyberman turn up in York or something. It's uh, <laughs> it'd be anything like that. I mean, a lot, a lot of early New Who was filmed in various parts of Wales and a lot of it around yeah. um, in Cardiff and surrounding area. And a friend of mine uh, who went to university with—he loved it because he was pointing out saying, I know where that is. I've been there. This is where I used to hang out when I was a kid, you know, and, and stuff like that. And it just instantly upped the entertainment value. So yeah, absolutely. You can up the, uh, up the fear factor as well. There was a, um, a Christmas special. I think it was a David Tennant one that was filmed mm. in Gloucester and it was at the cathedral, which is, I mean, it's probably about 15 minutes tops from my house walking. And it mm. was, they filmed, parts of a, a an episode there and it was supposed to be so they had all the it's supposed to be snowing so they had the fake snow going and the tardis was there it's absolutely fantastic mate yeah it's, it's brilliant and oh, with this um with this running around london as well um the uh, the drum beat in the background yeah. the, the music made oh. it so dr- made it so dramatic yeah and it's all again it's just adding the adding to the peril isn't it it's kind of that drum beat and the fact that they're all running and the Daleks are just everywhere, whichever way they turn or whichever way the camera cuts to, there's another one. It's kind yeah. of, it really does sort of adds that, that, that sort of feeling of, okay, this is kind of at the end game. Now the Daleks have effectively, it's not, it's not an invasion of Earth. They have invaded. This is it. But it's an occupation mm. easily. But when you say about the Daleks, just like everywhere, and you know, appearing and whatnot. The, there was a bit just before this that got me because uh, one of the characters, Baker, decides to go it alone and head for the Cornish coast. Yeah. So David gives him a flask and sends him on his way. Baker immediately runs into two Daleks and gets exterminated. Yeah. Like literally, how, how, how did he not see them? He's ran about ten yards. Yeah. You could probably hear them coming. Yeah, and that's again one of those timing moments that kind of w- was a bit off for me. Because he runs around the corner from where David and Susan were with his little hip flask of whiskey or whatever he's been given. He runs around the corner and stops because there's a Dalek right there. And he's virtually ran into this Dalek. There's no way he would have not seen it. And he's travelled an extra, I don't know, 10 foot towards this Dalek. He didn't need to travel. And then he kind of just stands there and waits. 
and then goes and leans against the wall and waits a bit more. He's not saying anything. He's not doing anything. The Dalek isn't saying anything. And again, time-wise, it just felt a bit off. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, but I just... It's just not something that I picked up on when I was watching for some reason. Mm, okay. I think I think it's because... I'm, I've obviously, I'm watching it on my TV. I've got my laptop in front of me. I'm trying to make notes, keep up what's going on. And I think at that moment, if if I've got a few seconds just to double check what I've written, my attention goes there and then back as soon as something happens. Right. So okay. I'm sort of flitting between the two. So it was a bit less obvious for me. Mm. No, I understand. I understand. Uh, we get the the loss of Dortmund as well here, don't we? He uh, tries to sacrifice himself effectively to try and kill some Daleks to help others escape yeah he's got, he, he sort of goes at them with one of his bombs that he's made yeah it, it's, it, it doesn't it's go a, well <laughs> no and it's but it's kind of a noble i think it's intended to be sort of a noble sacrifice and it is to a point it's just the uh, the bomb just doesn't work very well <laughs> no and he effectively blows himself up doesn't he to a degree yeah i don't, I don't see him take any daleks out no it's a shame nice try though good you know thanks for coming and uh, <laughs> well, 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 up to this point, though, Dortmund's been, we've not really touched on Dortmund. He's been very adamant in his own intelligence and his mm-hmm. plans and all the rest of it to to a point of almost being sort of a bit of a fanatic about it all. Yeah. And he's then sort of come to realise that he's now at a point where he feels like he's slowing people down. Mm. Obviously, having to, having to push the chair and then keep you know keep him hidden and all, and all the rest of it so it is it is it's sort of a noble sacrifice it's just pretty poorly executed a bit like he's a bit like when they tried to attack the uh, attack the saucer yeah this master plan they devised which gets loads of people butchered yeah not a good luck not a good luck uh <laughs> the doctor susan and david are kind of still hiding around the corner from where where the uh, the other fella got shot from and the, the, the robo men basically just bring a massive bomb, pull it down near them, and just walk away, don't they? It's so, it's so, it's so casual. They're kind of like, we'll just put this bomb down here. Yeah. <laughs> bomb. Damn. <Yeah. laughs> That's kind of how they talk, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It is a bit, yeah. Um, but it's at this it's around about this point, as we're getting to the end of this part of the uh, part of the serial, that the Doctor, we see more of what I expected Hartnell's Doctor to be. Okay. Interesting. Because um, the, the anaesthetic's wearing off. Because uh, the Doctor, this whole time, the Doctor's been sort of basically unconscious. Mm. Um, and David suggests going north, you know, heading for wherever. Yes, the, doc- yes. the doctor turns around and said, the doctor says he doesn't care what that young man thinks, he makes the decisions. I'm like, you've been here for a, a day-ish, you've already got yourself captured, nearly had yourself robotized. this guy's been fighting a war, <laughs> fighting a resistance for years, weeks. Yeah. However long, just, you know. He even turns to Susan, doesn't he, at this, at this point, and says, are you questioning my authority, child? Yeah, and it's just like, forgot that what? <laughs> is she, for one, she's pretty, you know, she's meant to be 17, 18. If she's 18, that, you know, she's an adult, essentially. Yeah. If she's 17, she's too old to be called a child. 
<laughs> it's but she'll just... still get a jolly good smacked bottom, apparently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 feels, it feels like your skin's sliding off your arm, doesn't it? It weren't a good look, mate. It weren't a good look. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor actually passes out, doesn't he? Because of the anaesthetic and so on. He, he sort of, because of what's going on and everything, he actually passes out. And, and David has to shut the bomb off when they discover it. And he does so with some acid. And this looked really good, I thought, for, his, for the time. I thought this was a really good effect. Yeah, it was pretty good actually. Yeah, I was I was again pleasantly surprised with it. Um, yeah, and David does. David proves his worth, doesn't he? Although this is this is after the Doctor's already sort of seen sense mm. and uh, decides to go along with with David's original suggestion. He does have that moment of sort of humility and thinks yeah. maybe I don't know everything, bugger. Um, <laughs> I actually, I actually think the way David deals with that there it is quite important as well. Now we're talking about it. I kind of, I kind of think back because the doctor was saying to Susan, you know, I'm in charge here. He says, go North, but that, you know, whatever I'm in charge. And then David then says to the doctor and refers to the doctor as sir and says, mm. you're, you're the out, el- you're the elder person in this party. I, I would like your advice, please. And I think that moment there really kind of, makes the doctor realize that david is i, I suppose it, it, it's, it's flattering the doctor in a way but showing a huge level of respect as well and it kind of i suppose um it plays up to the doctor's arrogance and i think that moment there is where things start to develop with the doctor and david their relationship but also with the doctor sort of thinking i, I think here is where he starts already thinking about susan and david making a life for themselves, so to speak. Yeah, the doctor's sort of seeing seeing what's going on basically between yeah. the two and but then it 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 could be playing to the ego or it could just be that the doctor hears the way the way David ad- addresses him and th- and thinks, All right, he's a respectful young you know, he's a respectful person, he's he's asked my opinion, I appreciate that. And now that he's sort of had a moment to think and cool his you know, cool his jets, he realizes that going north is the good idea. Mm. So it's like a weird sort of combination of the two, really. But yeah, yeah, it, it, you're right. It was a, it was a it was a good way to approach it because it it just <laughs> David basically got what he wanted, and the Doctor can go hang. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Again, though, the, the, David sort of defuses the bomb with this acid. I mean, it, it, again, it's black and white television. It's 1964, but I think it looks it looks great for its time. My Ian, my, my notes here, they're actually decent effects. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, Ian is at this mine that the Daleks are... No one really explains what they're mining for at this point. They've got a few question marks yeah. against it, sort of saying, what are they actually mining for? I'm still... You know, we're into episode four now. I'm still unsure as to what the Daleks are digging for, to be honest. We have Barbara and Jen, who is another of the rebels. They're basically fueling up a big tanker and pumping up some tyres because they're going to try and get out of London via a truck aren't they yeah they've they've gone to the uh, the british transport museum mm. got that there. but when ian and uh ian and jack uh are at the mine uh, they run into uh run into a mine worker there and this is where i looked at it and i thought i was amazed because i actually recognized somebody in the in the episode okay the actor uh the the mine worker who finds them and asks who they are and if they're escapees because they're roaming about it's uh, nicholas smith who played mr rumbold in are you being served Okay, yeah. All right. It's Mr. Rumble. <laughs> yeah, now you say that, I've got it. But I didn't notice at the time. How weird's that? 
Oh, I clocked oh, okay. it. I clocked, somehow clocked it straight away. Yeah, brilliant stuff. <laughs> uh, David and Susan are also being held at gunpoint by another human at this point. Tyler, I think the guy's name is. Yes. Yeah, the, but they, they know each other from before because Tyler was uh, was about earlier in the serial. Mm. But uh, Tyler thought they were um, they were scavengers. Yeah. And Tyler was shooting alligators that escaped from the zoo. Yeah. I mean, again, that's something I didn't even think of, to be fair. Do have London Zoo, and there's a lot of stuff there. And the Daleks aren't going to be worried about keeping up with the monkeys and that, are they? So these animals are all just running wild around London, as well as Daleks running wild around London. Yeah. <laughs> so alligators in the sewers and all the rest of it. Yeah, it's mad. Um, we, we actually we, we skipped over a little bit of... Um, really good practical effects and that was the um that was jenny uh driving the truck and plowing through the uh driving headlong yeah. into the group of daleks smashing into bits and then the uh, the saucer uh, goes overhead they have to bail out the truck and the saucer blows up the truck well it was it was a, it was a miniature but it, it was uh, it was one of the ropier effects but it amused me because it was like yeah, yeah it's basically the tiny little scale model and it's just gone boom but and barbara was just being a badass again, weren't she? Just smashing through the Daleks with, with her mate in this truck, and that yeah. was that was a really cool visual as well. Yeah, it was really good. And again, like you say, another uh, another notch on uh, another notch for Barbara. Something I noticed as well. I got a note about here that as they've smashed through the Daleks with, with this truck, the saucer's there. It's obvious what's going to happen. They've got to bail. They've got to get out the truck and just run because it looks like the saucer's going to you know do what it does and just blow the truck up. We get a shot of Barbara and Jen. Basically, the truck stopped and they're ferreting away with the doors to escape. Barbara, brilliantly, safety first, remember, puts the handbrake on before she gets out. <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> well, you wouldn't want it rolling away, would you? No, 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 of course not. <laughs> it's, it's, David, a weird thing, but, it's a weird thing, but like, it is kind of just instinct when you stop a vehicle to just whack a handbrake yeah. on. So I kind of get it, but at the same time, would you really be that concerned? No, you just smashed through like 20 Daleks and there's a saucer above you about to blow you up. I don't think the handbrake should be your biggest concern. But again, Barbara, <laughs> fair play, safety first, eh? Yeah. Safety first. Uh, David and Susan, back where back with them, are talking about rebuilding Earth, a new start, uh, and so on. And I think this, again, is leaning towards... We're getting signs now that Susan wants to be with David here. She's mm. she's talking about rebuilding the rebuilding of Earth, a new start, and so on. Previously to this, she was talking about David coming on the TARDIS with her. So I think by this stage, we're seeing that Susan doesn't see her future without David to a degree at this point. Yeah, and I think she, I don't know if it's already happened or if, if she goes on to say how she's never really belonged anywhere, never really had somewhere to call a home, and. And never been never been settled effectively. So yeah, it, they're uh, they're telegraphing it pretty mm. pretty pretty well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Ian meets Ashton and Sliver. I'm guessing this is the guy who was uh, Mr. Rumbold, was it? No, it was uh, Mr. Rumbold was already in, uh, already there before. He was just a mind okay. worker who facilitated the meeting. Uh, ah, Ashton, yes. Ashton, I don't know who that is, um, but yeah, the uh, the Slither um, is really fucking obnoxious with the. With the robbery, yeah. it's just like it's like. We're trying to have a conversation. Here. Do you mind? Yeah, it's 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 weird. That the whole thing was strange. To be fair, again, I, I speak about you know it's, it's six episodes, and it could have been cut down to four, 
a great deal of what Ian's getting up to here. I, I'm not sure we really need. Um, maybe not, but it, it does end up being necessary. Mm. But yeah, you're right. It could, could have maybe this whole stuff with Ashton isn't really needed. No, because it comes to virtually nothing. Yeah, it's just yeah. It's almost like doing. I, I suppose you care more about the situation and you care more about the characters and so on if there's more background information, more storytelling and so on. But this yeah. to me feels like background information and background storytelling just to fill time as opposed to having a purpose. Yeah, I think you're right. When I joked earlier about them needing extra for the runtime, I think you know this is part of what it is. It's like in uh, in the Hobbit movies where they turned one book into three films and they added a whole story arc in there that isn't in the book mm. just to just to pad the movies out and it was yeah. just unnecessary i mean and, and they've got they're just sort of going from peril to peril be it robomen daleks or quite li- quite literally the alligator in the sewer and it's yeah the, the alligator in the sewer made me laugh because it's blatantly a baby one <laughs> it's blatantly it's still tiny i was on holiday in florida once and we were in the everglades i got to hold a baby alligator um, so I was I was a t- uh, teenager, I think I was about thirteen, okay. maybe fourteen. And you know, you queue up, you get, you hold the alligator, you get your picture taken, all the rest of it. They are strong, they are strong yeah. little buggers. Nearly, nearly wrenched itself out of my grasp. We had to hold it in a very specific way because I was the last one. And then when it got to me, it swung its head and tried to bite me. Oh, why? <laughs> it just decided it had had enough. Uh, yeah. Turned his head, tried to, but because I had my hand under its, uh, you know, under its belly and under its front legs, it missed missed me by a good like three four inches but it felt a lot closer but so yeah they are they, they can be nasty but also the you know it's three grown people and a tiny baby alligator it's yeah. not, so it's not be, the same uh, as a fully grown alligator is it it's not the same same kind of fish there oh no then then you then you add the alligator to the list of things you can run from yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah in a zigzag in it you got you got going a zigzag apparently really yeah apparently if you're running away alligators. from a crocodile alligator or whatever you got to run a zigzag because in a straight line they're a bit they're quite quick mm. but because they've got these small dumpy little legs they can't turn very well so if you run in a zigzag you're like another, another feeling <laughs> so if i need to run away from you i've got to run in a zigzag yeah no, you, just to, you, you just have to run <laughs> yeah i ain't doing that <laughs> if, 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 if you ever see me running you run too because you know something bad's happening for me to be yeah. running Fair enough. I won't even ask questions. I'll just go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and with regards to to Sliver that they've met, Ian ends up having a bit of a scrap with him, doesn't he? And it's it's a terrible fight scene. Let's be honest. It's not a, it's not good, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. And um, you know, the Slither breaks into the shack to to gets Ashton. So that's the mm. end of him. He was completely pointless. Um, and they end up in, they end up in the, that frigging mining cart. Yeah, but, like the next- waste bucket. I think it was called. Yeah, somewhat like that. And the slither tries to jump, but Ian bashes it with a rock and it falls. And it was, but I, I kind of loved it because it was so cheesy and shit. Yeah. Yeah, the effects here were bad effects. They were, obviously, it was, it was the best they could do at the time, as we keep saying, money allowing and so on. Mm. But this has really not aged well. But at the same time, because it's not aged well, it's kind of got that charm to it again, Dan, I think that we mentioned earlier. When it's when it's something gets so bad, it becomes good. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, uh, we get the Doctor, David, Tyler, and Susan uh, all fighting some Robo Men as well. Now, as we're sort of 
hurtling towards the end of the story, I guess. I, I'm not 100% sure still what the Daleks are mining for. I'm not 100% sure what the Doctor's plan is here. But he, they just seem to be... Some of them are trying to run away from London. Uh, there's a few people talking about staying and fighting. Ian is elsewhere at this mine, having sort of yeah. been a stowaway on, on the saucer for a bit. There's a lot going on. And I don't really, I don't really understand what's going on, if that makes sense. There's, yeah, it's something that we've seen previously in that there's a lot going on without very much of consequence happening. Mm. Seemingly, but it also it's you do feel like you're hurtling towards something and and sort of a you know big reveal and we do get that um, with the with the bit in the uh, the sewers with the Robo Men uh, what was it uh, I think it was Tyler did a, re- a great diving roll for the gun and he sort of yeah. dives grabs the gun rolls and shoots in one motion very that was really cool yeah and we we get a bit of we get a bit of an insight into what become sort of a cornerstone of Doctor in that the Doctor says he only takes life when it, when his is immediately threatened. Mm. Which um, which was a nice little touch. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Again, I think that's really an important sort of sort of level to the show, I guess. The Doctor is anti-guns and, 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 and so on. And I think that's why when we get around to watching, which we will do very soon, a Colin Baker story, it does seem a little bit different. And the doctor is described from that era as being darker and angrier and so and edgier mm. because that aspect of the character is kind of forgotten about. I mean, Colin Baker is very much a, the violent, the most violent of the doctors, I guess. Oh, right. So that'd be interesting for us to, to look at. Like, yeah, but yeah it's, 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 it feels that the show with Colin Baker feels different to the, the, the rest, if that makes sense. Yeah, sort of the uh, sort of the black sheep sort of thing, where it's because mm. they've forgotten. Okay, I didn't realize they'd, t- they'd taken that away from from Colin Baker's Doctor. Obviously, I've never seen any. So yeah, I mean, it's, I don't think it's like a, a a conscious decision. It's not like okay, we're doing this this time, but there's you can feel a definite shift in in watching some of it. You can feel a definite sort of change in what's going on in the way the Doctor behaves, and he he's more quite often he has a gun in his hand and so on. So mm. it'd be interesting to see that. Cause I'm not sure how I'll feel about it. Mm. It's good. It, Colin Baker is an odd one. Anyway, I think he very much, you know, sort of, people are very much split down the middle on him. They either think it was great and he should have had more time or it, he's the worst doctor ever. I, I don't yeah. tend to speak to many people who kind of go, Oh yeah, he was all right. You know, it was kind of one way or the other, I guess. And I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, say anything favorable about him. So. <laughs> mm, yeah, okay. Okay. Barbara and Jen then on their travels have met two ladies who make clothes for slaves who are working down the mine. So, I mean, in that, on that aspect, I suppose it shows a little bit of a, a nice side to the Daleks, doesn't it? Because at least they want their <laughs> slaves clothed. They, they, want them to, they want them to have a, a, a few, you know, fresh garbs to chuck on when they go digging. Yeah, it's an odd one. Um, you wouldn't really think the Daleks would be, uh, be fussed about nudity but then again you know it's saturday and it's saturday night television so mm. they had to chuck that in but it's it's this is quite a classic move as well where uh they think that the found you know allies or safety or yeah. something along those lines but no they're in league with the big bad all along it, it's something that we'll see sort of down the decades in in tv and horror films it's 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 i don't know if it, is it called is it called a bait and switch is that what that is it's what it says yeah, it sounds like that. 
That it sounds feels like, right, doesn't it? Feels like what it should be called. <laughs> yeah, that's what we'll call it. <laughs> and we are always right. Um, <laughs> and if we're not, we're these, just testing. Yeah, exactly. These uh, these clothes makers for the slaves, as as you said, Dan, they double cross them pretty much straight away, don't they? They have a bit of a conversation, maybe on a cup of tea, and then they go and fetch a Dalek. But that Dalek, the note I've got here, that Dalek says exterminate. Ah, there we go. So is this the first time? I don't know. You, you tell me, mate. You're the... <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and watch the other Dalek story now and see if they say exterminate in that one. Oh, what, a, what a shame. You've got to go back and watch more Doctor Who. It is a shame. It is a shame. <laughs> <laughs> the, the guy with Ian at this stage was sort of jumping back and forth from all the different... I suppose different storylines that are all going along, uh, running alongside each other. We've just seen Barbara and um, and her friend Jen gets basically double crossed and, and and shipped off to the Daleks. We're now jumping across to see how Ian's getting on with his mate, who I believe was called Larry. He's yeah, and at this point, I, I got confused because I thought this guy's name was Jack. Right. Okay. Because the doctor, the doctor and Ian were with a Jack before, and I thought it was the same guy, but apparently not. Apparently, this is Larry. Yeah, okay. Uh, he's looking for his brother as well, isn't he? He's trying to track down his brother, Larry. It's quite important to him that he finds his brother. And he sees his brother, and he, he is now a robo-man, which is obviously something that we see a lot as well in future episodes of Doctor Who, with, especially with regards to the Cybermen converting mm. family members and so on. So this was... Um, I, I quite like this. I quite like that kind of, you know, somebody... The emotional attachment to somebody, and they've basically that they're lost to the cause so to speak yeah it's, it's a very it's a very human element to it all um you know after all the you know the silliness and the you know the blowing up trucks and and all the rest of it, 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 it but it's an exchange where uh larry's trying to get through to his brother phil by saying his name and mentioning his wife's name and and all the rest of it and all he's getting back is you are runaways you must be punished ian tries even tries to get larry clear but it doesn't work, and he gets <laughs> effectively. He, uh, he strangles mm. his brother, who says Larry as he dies, and again that got very dark very quickly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We cut then to Susan and David, and it's obvious there then that they're falling for each other. Um, David, David's relationship with the Doctor, we've already established, is again here seems very good as well. Mm. It's just, again, sort of another little stepping stone to where we're ultimately going to end up at the end of this story, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like I say, it is so so telegraphed that you can see it coming a mile away. Mm. But, um, yeah, they're, they're just sort of... I think that he was he was fishing, wasn't he? Um, oh, yeah, so he, that was it. He, snuck, he sort of snuck up behind her and scared her with a fish, and you know they're having a bit playful little sort of roll around, and he's pointing out how well the doctor stood up to the journey, and it, it all gets a bit awkward as uh, as the doctor and Tyler get back, just yeah. as they've been just been having a little kiss, and, yeah. uh, and all of that. It's just it's it's very much like, oh shit, got caught. <laughs> yeah, I mean, would you eat a fish from that water, from the corpse water? Christ no. And don't get me wrong, I appreciate these people are starving, hungry, but. I mean, come off it. There's a lot of dead robo-men in there. You wouldn't be having that, would you? Nah. No. It, for some reason, what popped into my head, have you ever seen the League of Gentlemen movie? Um, I'm, I've seen the programme. I'm not sure if I've seen the movie. In the movie, it's all about like the, the characters from the show coming into real life and stuff like that, and, and Tubbs is sat on the toilet, 
and she looks and said, I made a little brown fish. And uh, <laughs> later on, later on, she gives a, she gives one of the other characters a sandwich. I made you a sandwich. He says, oh, what's in it? She goes, fish. And he says, what's that? She says, brown. Oh, no. <laughs> that that, that, they, that uh, would very much be a, a, a shit-covered fish. Yeah, a grim fish from corpse water. <laughs> we, we are grim fish corp, corpse water. <laughs> <laughs> head on in download next year. Um, yeah. But look, they've got rabbit, though, so that's all good. Ah, yes, true, true. Uh, Barbara, as well, she's made a bit of progress and gets to speak to uh, the Black Dalek, who I'm assuming is the who's in charge, the Supreme Dalek. He's, he's just all in black, isn't he? Yeah, you can uh, yeah you can tell just by different by a lick of paint. Yeah, exactly. And here we, I, I'll tell you what, with that regards to that, when a Dalek gets promoted, then do they have to go get like a spray job? Yeah, set up like uh, it's like a spray tan booth. Yeah, so just, and just, just roll in and just, just <laughs> reversing, turn around. <laughs> Congratulations, Dalek! You are now a admiral. <laughs> In, enjoy your new colour um, <laughs> that you can't see because the Daleks don't have mirrors. Oh yeah, they could just tell them that they painted them, couldn't they? And they wouldn't, they wouldn't know. The other um, Daleks, they, they could just be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we painted you a lovely shade of green, mate. You look sound." And just yeah, the, that Dalek has to take their word for it, doesn't he? Something tells me that the Daleks aren't massively big on humour. No, no, you can't imagine Daleks winding each other up, can you? Like practical joking each other and stuff. Yeah, like oh, you never, you never guess what I've done. I've, uh, I've replaced Jerry's, uh, re- replaced old Jerry's plunger with a, with a feather duster. He's gonna look a right swat. <laughs> he's, he's gonna look a right swat. <laughs> I don't think he's noticed. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and a Daleks and Robomaster in the corner, just sniggering as he's walking around with a feather duster on his face. <laughs> what would a Dalek sniggering sound like? That'd be the most awkward noise in the world. Uh, <laughs> I'd Beavis and Beavis and Bird. That was, my, that was. That, I'll be honest. That was my Peter Griffin. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Well, maybe they sound like Peter Griffin. <laughs> oh, dude. We've done it again. We yeah, have. We've got a bit sidetracked. Um, <laughs> we hear, this is when we find out what the Daleks are mining for. They're not mining for anything in particular, are they? They're just trying to get to the centre of the Earth because they want to mm. turn the Earth into a, a ship. They want to pilot the Earth out of its solar system, I guess. Yeah, looking to uh, harness the Earth and, and get it moving. Mm. Um, the have been sent into the core of the planet to replace it with a power system uh, to pilot to pilot anywhere in the universe. Effectively, yes. having a planet-sized warship. Yeah, and I mean they're, they're sending a, a big bomb down to do this, aren't they? To sort of clear mm. a bit of space out. I'm guessing to to fit in what they need to fit in. And Ian's in the bloody bomb, isn't he? Yeah, he's got himself into a bit of a pickle. He has. What a silly sausage. But the thing is, I'm kind of mocking it. But by the end of this episode. Going into the final part, there's two of the three companions in, uh, you know, with Barbara and, and Ian, who were in sort of grave peril. Mm. So you look at it and thinking, actually, going into the end of it, we've just found out the big reveal of the Dalek plot. Two of the three companions are, are in are in the ship. That's not bad. <laughs> That's nah. not a bad way to end an episode. That's going to make you want to tune in seven days later, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, very quickly, though, Ian's peril kind of gets eradicated i suppose at the beginning of the final episode because he, he escapes from the capsule 
And then I find this quite comical, to be honest. He kind of slides down a chute, but it just looks really funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I looked at it and I just, all in my head, in my head, all I could, could do was just go, wee. Yeah, exactly. He must have had a great time. I bet he did that and he was like, oh, you know what? I don't think I, I don't think I got it right. We need another four or five takes because he was just having a well yeah. at a time shooting down his. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I hope happened anyway. Could, do you reckon we could just put like a, a spiral in the middle of it? Just I think it'd look cool. I think it'd be really good for TV. Yeah, it's like, no, you just, just like, want a twisty <laughs> bit in there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Barbara and, and Jen then effectively sort out their own peril as well, don't they? They uh, As Barbara distracts the Daleks, Jen tries to destroy some of the controls, but this doesn't quite work. But at least they're having a go, eh? Yeah, they're trying. Uh, doing better than Dortmund did. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, they're, they're giving it a pop. It's um, it's when she um, starts just spouting off, referring to like the Boston Tea Party and General Lee and the Fifth Cavalry and Hannibal's forces, and just like drawing all this, all these bits from history and just making nonsense that sounds vaguely military. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we get back to the Doctor and he's moving some rocks around, which are obviously polystyrene. This is like <laughs> again. Uh, and uh, again, it sounds like we're poking fun at this. We're not ultimately, and again, when we sort of summarise at the end of the episode, which which we will do very very soon, you'll see that I bloody loved this. I'm poking fun very much from a a kind of place of love. It's it's so some of it is just so old and silly, but it does have that charm to it, and, and so and this is one of those moments. The rocks that they're moving around, they if there's a strong gust of wind, those rocks would have rolled away. Yeah, all <laughs> just been taken up in the br- in the breeze and and gone off but like as we keep saying they did the best they could for with the money they had and you know at this point doctor who wasn't a huge budget thing it wasn't um it still wasn't viewed as a uh as, as a priority it was still very much fighting for for everything it could get so mm. i've got i can't hold that against it I, I can make fun of it a little bit but i can't hold it against it yeah yeah there you go um, Ian then puts a load of wood down the chute. I'm not yeah, quite sure what he's, he's trying to accomplish. I'm, I'm, he's trying to just screw their system up, I'm guessing, but it's like he, he chucks a load of wood down this, this chute. The well, Daleks... He, he, he props the door open as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that it can effectively, if that hatch closes, the it, it won't go off. Yeah. Sort of thing. I think that's what he was aiming for. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, and the, the Daleks now are they're kind of leaving the area, aren't they? Because they're thinking this bomb's going to detonate soon or, or whatever. So they're, they're kind of, they're going to another area. They're, they're all, they're all sort of leaving in, uh, in single file and the doctor and Tyler are, are in their pathway. Effectively, the Daleks are heading towards them. So they hide. And this was, this isn't just down to special effects. This isn't of its time. This was just rubbish. This was this bit. I am going to point out is just nonsense <laughs> because the, the, the Daleks are going through this door. Tyler and the doctor hide either side of this door. So the Daleks, if they're looking dead ahead in theory, won't notice them because they'll be past them before they can see them, so to speak. Yeah. But there's one Dalek, especially who's obviously got his, his sort of spinning bit on top with his eye, stalk stuck mm. and he is pointing at the doctor he is looking directly at the doctor the camera is then looking directly at this dialect looking at the doctor and it's just one of those moments where you think okay i've got to ignore that because it'll ruin the story but there's no <laughs> way he's not there's no way he's not seen him because he's not hiding behind anything he just leaned against the wall 
Yeah, and I, in my notes, I've said a lot of this could have been avoided if the bad guys had checked corners. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it just. It was just bad. They didn't. They didn't. They either didn't clock it, or they didn't have enough time or money to do another take. Mm. Yeah. It just yeah. It, it, every so often, something like that's going to slip the net, but it won't great. No, it weren't. It weren't. But again, I, I'm. I'm okay with it because we're getting to the end of the story now and things are happening quickly. Things are really accelerating through this last episode. Whereas we had a lot of uh, meandering, as you said, Dan, really well put earlier, a lot of meandering around in other episodes. This one feels like it's got a real tempo to it, a real pace as we're sort of accelerating through and all these, these different stories of Barbara and Jen and being off in the truck and Ian disappearing off to this, this mine with, with other people and the doctor and Susan, David, Tyler elsewhere and all this sort of stuff. They're all kind of coming together now in this kind of final, I suppose the climax of the story, I guess. Yeah. And I, I always like when, when TV shows do this, it's, it's the threads, the narrative threads all coming together to, uh, for the big conclusion. It's, it's sort of emerged over time with, we know what's happening now and it, and now it's time for the action to kick in. So I can forgive the sort of bit where it feels like it's meandering because it, it does lead to something which I can't really fault. And it, this all gets, um, all gets very hectic now, doesn't it? Cause it's yeah. um, Barbara and Jenny are trying to escape and there's Susan and David, you know, sort of Kate tampering with cables and trying to immobilize, immobilize dialects. The doctor's fiddling with a scanner um, we have a, a half decent shot of, uh, of Tyler through the Daleks' eye stalk. Um, but I think I think Tyler then gets exterminated. Um, yeah, I think so. The, the prisoners are released. David shooting bombs that severs that sever cables. There's a some reading that's overheating, and everything's just going wrong for the Daleks, and it's all very hectic. With and seems like there's a lot going on. And it's got a very dramatic soundtrack, but I swear to God, Kevin Dunn from WWE was in charge of, of editing this. But there were so many camera cuts. <laughs> we're here, we're there, we're up here, we're down there. We're, oh my, what the shit is going on? Yeah, and it, yeah, it wasn't um, wasn't for me. Let's see no. <laughs> the way that was all shot and put together. I mean, effectively, I mean, I guess we'll kind of just summarise the end of the, the, the Daleks here in this story. The Doctor and uh, Barbara effectively order the Robo-Men via the, the radio signals that are controlling them to mm. turn on the Daleks, which they do. The Robo-Men all start attacking the Daleks. The human slaves that start attacking the Daleks as well. The, the, the rebels, the resistance force are there. There are slaves in the mine. So basically, all of these different groups are working together to attack the Daleks and take them down. The, the bomb effectively goes off without going down to where it needs to be and kills off the, the Dalek fleet like that. Just, just dealt with done, bang, gone. And yeah, that's kind giant, of, yeah. Giant volcanic explosion. Really. And we see some, uh, some stock footage of explosions and landslides and magma and buildings falling. And the, uh, the source is caught in the upward thrust of the explosion. No Dalek survivors. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's it. A volcanic eruption in England. Yeah. In London, in Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, you know, we don't, we don't know we don't know where the mine is. Oh, no, the mine was, was it Bedfordshire. The mine somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. still weird. But yeah, yeah, and then we're sort of going in. Tyler's reminiscing about Dortmund and and things like that, and dedicating to rebuilding Earth. And mm. the, the, the somehow get Big Ben working again very quickly. 
and uh, it's the British way, mate. That's what's got to be done. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> in times of trouble, we just need that. Uh, we just need that big bell to chime. Yeah, that's um, it. <laughs> but, yeah. We're, we're getting into sort of what we've been expecting for a few episodes now, and it's uh, it's Susan uh, about to leave, aren't we? Yeah, and I'm I'm really intrigued to to speak with people who who listen to the show, who may have seen this at the time, first time around. Because this was the first companion to to leave the show. This was the first of the Doctor's companions. To, I mean, we obviously had God knows how many now come and go. Some are in it for a couple of episodes. Some are in it for years. Whatever. Some some are in it across a couple of regenerations, for example, and see and uh, companions with different incarnations of the Doctor. But this is the very first companion to leave the show, and the way it's done. I think is 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 fantastic. I I love this this whole scene, David. Uh, sorry, uh, the whole scene. William Hartnell's speech when he's in the TARDIS. Yeah, it, just just everything about it is because Susan's torn, isn't she? She wants to stay with David. David begs her to stay uh, and marry him. Effectively, Susan is torn. She doesn't want to leave her grandfather, but at the same time, she loves David. The Doctor basically takes a shoe off Susan and says that he's going to go and repair it because there's something damaged on her shoe, isn't there? So yeah. he goes into the TARDIS, but locks her out. Yeah. He because he's he, effectively he, making her mind up for her, isn't it? Yeah, I was just about to say, he makes the decision for her because he doesn't want her to be conflicted. He wants her, he's come to the conclusion that he, that she needs her own life and, you know, and he, he wants to, he doesn't want to stand in the way of that. Mm. Yeah. He gives her an incredibly... Uh, one of the first sort of iconic speeches in Doctor Who. This has been replayed for years. It came into um, it came into later episodes. I believe David Bradley um, did uh, did a, almost a full rendition of it when he played William Hartnell in one of the um, sort of dramatized yeah. documentary uh, that dramatized documentary thing, which was was fantastic. Actually, I need to remember what the name of that was and, and go back and watch it and. I've, I've done what I normally do, and I've, I've ended up. Tra- I've transcribed it. Okay. And he he okay. says, I, "I won't go through the whole thing." But I mean, what I'll do, what I'll do as well, Dan. I mean, for the purpose of you, us, our our conversation, please, by all means, carry on. But at the end of the episode, if people hang around for after our music disappears, done by the excellent Borat Matosic. Once that music finishes, I'll, tr- I'll tag a bit of the audio on the end anyway, if anyone wants to hear it. But for the purpose of the episode and us talking now, yeah, please carry on. Yeah, when he says, during all the years I've been taking care of you, you in return have been taking care of me. And so then Susan's getting quite emotional and, and, and upset, saying that she that she belongs with him. Um, She's staring up at the, screen, the, the, the camera screen, yeah. isn't she? Because the yeah. Doctor's looking, watching her. And I think that is so... That's symbolic as well, because they're having this really tender moment, but there's this wall dividing them. Yeah. And I think that really is quite quite, quite symbolic of, of the situation. It is, yeah, and, and symbolic of how the Doctor views a lot of the world, really. Mm. Particularly through the regenerations, there's always there's always this barrier. We, we said it in the Jodie Whittaker episode when uh, when she said about you know it's not it's not a flat team structure. It's her at the top making the hard decisions. Yeah, and that's we see now that that's been true from day one. Really. Um, but the doctor's saying, you know, you're still my grandchild. You always will be, but you're a woman now. I want you to belong somewhere, to have roots of your own, and you know, to find those roots with David and all the rest of it. And says, um, 
<laughs> he has quite a sweet line, which is, believe me, my dear, your future lies with David, not with a silly old duffer like me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's lush, isn't it? Yeah. And then, and then you get into the iconic line, which has been repeated. So I don't know. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. And she says, goodbye, Susan. Goodbye, my dear. And it's it's quite, it's quite really quite emotional and really yeah, very effective. it is. It is. It's really, uh, years yeah, it, it's so well done. And again, I suppose quite, quite symbolic of the scenario. Susan just drops her TARDIS key. Yeah. On the floor. And and off she goes with David, in only one shoe, obviously, because the doctor took her shoe into the TARDIS. He's kind of had that big emotional thing, and he's just like, the silly bastard never give her a shoe back. Yeah, exactly. She's got one <laughs> shoe. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's going to be many shops open or just you know convenient cobblers no, just just no. over there. <laughs> never mind, never mind, never mind. <laughs> and that was, that's it then, really, the Dalek invasion of Earth. Uh, so, to sort of summarise, Dan, what what did you think? First time watching Hartnell as the Doctor, I assume? First time watching this serial? It's Doctor Who, so I always enjoy it on some level. It, I enjoyed it from sort of what it means to Doctor Who going forward, you know, from that historical view as well of, you know, the first companion leaving, the iconic speeches at the end and the footage that we've seen for decades that I've never really sort of known where it fitted everything. Um, it was a bit meandering. It was a mm. bit sort of slow at times and certain characters were ultimately a, a little bit pointless. Um, but I did like the way everything sort of drew together in the end. So yeah, it, it was one of, it was, it was a decent episode. It was, uh, sorry, it was a decent serial. Um, I think the, the final part is definitely one of the better episodes in general. Yeah. Um, so it was sort of above average, but not by much uh, overall for me. Um, the good bits were really good. The bad bits were were ropey, and I suppose a lot of it just commits the uh, commits the sin of of being a, a bit middle of the road and forgettable, really. So it all it all balances out. Probably if I had to give it a numerical rating, it it'd probably be around a around a six out of ten. Yeah. Okay. I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, okay, we've we poked a bit of fun at it here and there, uh, as I said throughout the episode, but I thought this was great. I loved it. I love I love going back and seeing where things began. Mm. I, I, don't, I, don't, I think it's... I suppose I'm a bit of a weirdo like that. I mean, with Doctor Who, I love Doctor Who. So I will go back and watch old Doctor Who. But it's like, one day... I, I, I'm not into soap operas or anything like that, but EastEnders was always on when I was a kid. It's been on for decades. It's a British institution in the similar way Doctor Who is, I suppose. One day I just decided I'm going to go and watch the first ever episode of EastEnders. And I ended up watching three or four of the, the first, you know, the first <laughs> episodes. Just because I was like, well, I want to see how it started. You know, so seeing Doctor Who like this, obviously it's not the very beginning, but it's where it began-ish. Mm. I love that. And then seeing the first companion leave and how that was uh, just, I, I really, really enjoyed this, mate. I, I had a great time watching this back. It was brilliant. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I can't fault you for that. If, you know, like I say, if that that aspect of things is what you're into, then then it scratches the itch, really, doesn't it? It's it's banter. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, absolutely, it's fair enough. Okay, so then I suppose uh, as as we have said off recording, Dan, to sort of get us back into our regular pattern of classic Who, New Who, and and, and so on, because of my 
gigantic screw up last week and we have to sort of change the plans because I lost all my notes and this episode should have been covered last week and this week we should have been covering your episode which was Day of the Doctor and it would have made it would have still ran as it was supposed to um it does mean we get another classic who in our next episode now we're kind of coming to the end of our first season now so doctors wise we're kind of whittling it down down aren't we to the last few now yeah I think you've got um, per, uh, John Pertwee, Colin Baker, Peter Davidson left. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and I've got, I've now got Paul McGann, David Tennant, and Matt Smith. Oh, see, that's some good ones there. When Tennant and Smith, there's going to be some good stuff there. I, I know, exa- I know exactly what we're doing. Do you? Yeah. Oh, I'm intrigued. I, I've got him picked. Have you really? Okay. And the, the, the two of my absolute favourite episodes ever. Uh, okay. See, I've got the, the next one picked, and I've got my Peter Davidson story picked. But the John Pertwee one, I'm still undecided upon, so I'm going to do a bit more uh, looking into that to see which one we're going to go with with John oh, Pertwee. Right. Come um, on, then. Do it to me. What are we doing? This, this time, we are going to be going with Colin Baker, which is funny, because we had a little talk about him earlier on in the episode. Uh, and we're going to be revisiting a, an old favourite, I suppose. Um, as we just looked at the Daleks here, we're going to go back and look at another Cyberman story. And we're going to look at the 1985 Attack of the Cybermen tale with Colin Baker as the Doctor. It's I have re-watched it. Since, since Brickbox became a thing, I've kind of jumped around and watched various different episodes. I've watched this one since having my Brickbox subscription just for the classic Doctor Who. I loved it, and as soon as we started doing this 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 podcast, my Colin Baker story was going to be this or whatever, and I've literally just did it, at this moment plumped for this one. I think this is the better of the two. So, <laughs> great stuff! Can't wait to get into it. Love a Cyberman. Uh, I'm like I said before, very intrigued to get to uh, to Colin Baker. So it'll be it'll be an education as always. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's it's done slightly different as well. It's not like the 25 minute. 20 25 minute episodes and there's five or six of them this was shown twice a week so at this stage doctor who was on i think it was a tuesday and a thursday night okay. and it was a 45 minute long episode so you have effectively you've got two episodes but they're 45 minutes rather than being four episodes of 2025 if that makes sense yeah it makes perfect sense why not i never knew it went bi-weekly yeah, yeah, it didn't. Yeah, I think it was also that some of the Sylvester McCoy era as well was still mm. bi weekly, I think. But yeah, yeah, there we go. That's where we will be heading to next week. So if anyone's watching along with us, following along, etc., etc., Attack of the Cybermen from 1985, I believe it is series 22. If you're looking on Britbox to try and make it easier for people to find, but have a watch of that before our show comes out next week and uh. We can have a little discussion about it, Dan, and enjoy some Colin Baker craziness. I'm expecting some top quality wee woo beep boop. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Before we depart, my friend, do you want to let everybody know whereabouts they can find you, all your awesome content, your podcasts, and so on? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21, usually tweeting about uh, wrestling that's a minimum of six weeks out of date or movies that are 25 years out of date. Uh, this week saw my probably 20th watch of Jason X and I felt the need to tell the world about that. So there you go. That's an insight. No, I've never seen it. it. You shouldn't. 
nobody should watch it as much as I have. It's <laughs> so, so bad it's good should be the tagline of that film. It's, 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 it's okay. I, I love it. Uh, but anyway, uh, so you can find me on Twitter there. Uh, you can also hear me on uh, Unbooking the Territory, which I, I co-host with UTT Rob. Uh, you can find us on all, pla- all, all podcast platforms, as well as on Twitter at UTT Podcast. Uh, through there you can also find our side project which is unbooking the tankatory where we're chatting the ups and downs of the uh, the in-ring career of tank abbott um we do have a rough a very rough plan of where we're going when we finish up with tank abbott but i'll save that for another day um you can also hear me and rob on the that 90s wrestling podcast uh, playlists on primetime conversations uh not quite sure if that's going to be um, audio only or on the YouTube channel so uh, go give James a follow on uh, on all the platforms give it a like, share, subscribe on YouTube follow the Twitter account at Primetime Convos and get it downloaded onto your podcast feeds there we go okay you can find me at sjp words on Twitter and Facebook there is a group there sjp all the shows and info by following those you get links to all the, so- the shows that I'm involved in Nitro Nights, looking back at WCW one show at a time, Chain Wrestling that I do live on a Monday night, and the podcast version comes out later in the week. The Waiting Room podcast about Quantum Leap episode by episode. Season two is well underway now, being recorded. So hopefully that'll be with you all very soon. Uh, yeah, so yeah, at SJP Words for all of that. But most importantly, you can follow this show on Facebook and Twitter at the doctor who pod that's at the dr who pod for all your doctor who goodness from us to awesome awesome individuals don't look so confused i mean you <laughs> no sorry I, just, I, I, I saw my phone out of the car and my eye, i just got a text <laughs> ah okay <laughs> i i, I right. am, no, i'm nothing if not professional sat here on my there bed uh, trying try not to, <laughs> with my thighs screaming as i've been sat in a squatty position for nearly two hours brilliant <laughs> uh okay no, then so that that concludes our our last black and white look back i suppose i'm, I'm pertwee is all in color i think so yeah that's our last yeah. black and white look back uh next week we're a little bit more modern with attack of the cybermen colin baker looking forward to that so dan thank you so so much again mate i've had a whale of a time so have I, mate. It's a pleasure as always. It's great to finally talk about this. The notes have been open on my laptop for, for what feels like forever, staring me in the face. So I, reckon, to, uh, I reckon it's about six about. weeks. Six weeks we did this first. Yeah, six weeks I think ago. You might be right. I was going to be play it safe and say four, but I think you might be right. <laughs> I think we are, yeah. There we go. There we go. Okay, and to everyone else, as always, thank you for listening. Bye-bye. I've double-locked the doors. You can't get in. Now move back, child, where I can see you. During all the years I've been taking care of you, you in return have been taking care of me. Grandfather, I belong with you. Not any longer, Susan. You're still my grandchild and always will be. But now, you're a woman too. 
I want you to belong somewhere, to have roots of your own. With David, you'll be able to find those roots and live normally like any woman should do. Believe me, my dear, your future lies with David and not with a silly old buffer like me. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Goodbye, Susan. Goodbye, my dear.